All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and it is good to have you here. Now, for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, we're actually currently streaming live on Facebook, facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. And uh, soon, hopefully, we're going to also have that same uh, call sign for our YouTube channel, our username, handle, if you will, for YouTube, our YouTube channel. We, we literally just started this a, a couple of weeks ago. And um, so what we're going to do is ask you, if you will, and I'm going to actually pop this up on screen really quick. If you just go to YouTube and type in Boca Podcast... And you'll, you'll see the channel pop up right here, of course, with that really bright, colorful logo. If you'll just go to that channel and subscribe for us, once we get enough subscribers, we can actually set up that, that dedicated username uh, for the Boca Podcast on YouTube. But we are streaming live there now, bocapodcast.com slash, or excuse me, youtube.com slash bocapodcast will be the, the URL when it comes out. And then certainly on facebook.com slash bocapodcast, we are live there as well. So welcome. And for those of you who are live streaming, again, on Facebook or on YouTube, don't hesitate to ask questions, make comments. You can send us funny emojis if you'd like. This is meant to be a two-way conversation, not only between myself and my guest, but also for you, those of you who are listening or watching live, we'd love for you to ask questions all along the way. We're going to hit some really interesting topics today, including how my guest Paula has actually created and ultimately run a successful business in a relatively short amount of time. We're going to learn the principles behind that quick success and growth. And really, on that note, I should go ahead and introduce our guest today. Paula is here with me. And Paula Kovacs, thank you so much for making time, not only for myself, but also for all of our community. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Nathan. Well, it's good to have you here. And it, first of all, we had some really compelling conversation, I have to say. It's been, what, about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so it's it's been a little bit, but I got off that phone and, and I it, you left me quite curious. First of all, you're a highly driven individual, not only a photographer <laughs> but ultimately an entrepreneur, and and that was that's inspiring to me. And I'm excited to be able to share what you've learned in a relatively short amount of time with our listeners today. So we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. For everybody listening in, I'm going to pop this up on screen uh, for those of you viewing as well. But if you go to Paula's Photos, P-A-L-A-S photos.com, you can see Paula's website there. We're going to talk about her brand here in just a second. You can also go to Photos by Paula Michaela, M-I-K-A-Y-L-A on Instagram. I've also popped that up on screen for those of you who are watching live. Uh, Paula, we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, the first thing that Let's I want to talk to our listeners about is your brand position. What is your brand position statement? And maybe along with that, if you just a little bit of context, let our listeners know what market your or excuse me, marketplace you're based in as well. Yeah, so I am actually on the uh, traditional unceded territory of the Sioux First Nation. So I'm in Kelowna, BC, in Canada. Um, and my brand is essentially, I tell everybody that I'm your favorite third wheel. So I just want to make all of my customers feel as comfortable or my clients feel as co comfortable as possible in front of my camera. And that has allowed me to capture my share of the market, which are people who are just know that they are not comfortable in front of a camera, which okay. is the majority of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. That sums it up. Well, and, and as you were saying that, I was pulling up your Instagram account. I'm going to actually share this with those of us or those of you who are watching live currently 
on your Instagram profile, and this is one of the things I actually recommend when it comes to brand position for our listeners, you, you have that position statement right there, plain and simple, first thing there in your Instagram profile. My name is Paula, your new favorite third wheel. And you know, a lot of photographers talk about this concept of helping their clients feel comfortable with them in order to develop a, a great working relationship with them, and in some cases, even a friendship. But I, I think it, it's talked about so much now that it's easy just to kind of glaze over the idea. I'm curious specifically how you create that environment for your clients. Um, creating that environment starts at the beginning of the shoot. It, actually, it starts before they even book with you. So sure. explaining to them what the shoot is going to look like um, and what you can implement during the session to make them feel comfortable and almost distract them by the fact that they're having their photo taken. You know uh, what I mean? So giving them so many things to do that they don't have time to concentrate on the fact that somebody's in front of them taking their photo, right? Like I almost never will pose my clients and get them to hold one position for a long, that would be a terrible position, but um, <laughs> hold one position for such a long time that yeah. they start getting tense and frustrated. Um, so in the beginning of my shoot, I tell them straight up, like, I will tell you what to do the whole way. I will direct you the entire time. Um, you don't need to worry about what to do with your hands or like whether or not you got a double chin. Like, I will tell you all of those things the whole time. Like, I just need you guys to have fun. And I just need you guys to go along with all of the silly things I'm going to ask you to do because I <laughs> promise you that they're going to give you really, really good photos. Okay, and that so usually relieves them because people like to know that I've got their back, that I am doing everything that I can to make sure that they look good. Sure. I guess on that note, too, I'm curious with, well, first of all, the notion of being silly, what, is, what does that look like? Is there some, like, there are kind of tricks that you use during a session to help them lighten up and laugh a little bit and relax as a result? Yeah. So, I mean, it usually starts with the same old boring, like, walk and look at each other. I'm mostly going to talk about couples because I mostly photograph couples. Sure. Um, but, like, walk and look at each other. And then... Um, Everybody does the infamous drunk walk, which is you make them pretend that they're going to be drunk. But you don't just say, okay, now pretend to be drunk. Like you say, okay, I need you guys to be actors right now. And okay. and whether or not you drink, I want you to be the drunkest person that you've <laughs> ever seen in the world. Yeah. Like you, I want you to stagger in all different directions, but mm. then you also let them know, like, don't bend over completely because I want to see your face. Yeah. Um, it's funny you, you actually say, like, even if you don't drink, because I, I think about, like, the number of times my parents don't drink, my grandparents don't drink, and the number of times I've seen them imitate someone being drunk, despite, as far as I know, at, at least minimal drinking in their past. Uh, it's kind of funny how we as humans, we've seen enough of it, whether on, you know, TV or movies or, or in real life, that we know how to mimic that. So I, it, it seems like yeah. it's something that would work for a, really a wide audience, regardless of whether or not they're drinkers or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, getting, thing, getting, getting, getting them to do things like have a hip check contest, like who can hip check the hardest sure. without hurting each other. Sure. Um, there's tons of different things that you can get them to do. And, and a lot of it has to play off of the couple themselves. So um, I put together a questionnaire that asks them all about them as a couple so that I can best direct the shoot, right? Like I ask them, um, whether they're introverted or extroverted or if it depends, um, like what they're comfortable, what comfortable 
comfortability level. Is that what a word? Yeah. Sure. Sure. In front um, of the camera. Yeah. With, <laughs> yeah. Um, with intimacy in front of the camera. Mm. Um, and, and kind of things like that, like whether or not they're outdoorsy people or if they're couch potatoes, like what, how can I best craft this photo shoot around their personality? Sure. Thing? So, you know, it's interesting um, you bring up the intimacy thing because, and I think I've told this on the podcast before, there was a couple that I photographed. I've, I shot weddings for about 10 years for anybody watching or listening who doesn't know. And there was a couple that I worked with at one point that I still remember so vividly. I, I went to do their engagement session and I didn't know. And maybe ultimately, I guess I'll take responsibility for not having asked the question that you just talked about previous to the session about PDA. But this couple, and I think more the groom than the bride, was super uncomfortable with public any kind of public display of affection. So this, yeah. the, the photos ended up looking like something out of a, like a junior high dance or something, <laughs> except even worse. I mean, it was so stiff. It was so, so bad. It's good to have those conversations ahead of time. I think that's a great recommendation for all of our listeners, just so that we're aware and we know how to approach that, se- that session. Um, by mm-hmm. the way, as you were talking about your brand position statement, Randall, uh, thanks for listening in and, and watching, Randall. But Randall says, I like that. It's a pretty cool position, brand position, and sounds fun. And, and you know, that idea of a third wheel, and you talked about, you used the word distract. And I actually like that concept because somebody who's not used to being in front of the camera, it would be very easy to just kind of fixate on that lens staring at you. I'm, I'm actually staring at a lens right now. My camera's pointed at me, staring at that lens and and just kind of freeze, not know what to do. And so the idea of relaxing enough that emotions are going to come out, you're going to connect with your partner in a, in a really intimate way, that, that seems like such a foreign concept. So if you've developed a relationship with them, help them feel comfortable enough that you literally distract them from the fact that there's a camera right there, I think that's a great goal for all of us who are photographing clients. Yeah, especially when you know, 90% of the people who I work with have never had professional photos done before. And it's daunting. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't like having my photos taken either. Like, I still get this, like, crazy Popeye thing going on whenever a camera's in my face. (laughs) Um, And for, I just want to, I think that's why I've been able to capture so many clients because I've I've had so many referrals from past clients Mm. saying, like, yeah, it was a breeze. Like, it was easy. We didn't, like, we didn't feel like we were in a photo shoot. Like, she just had us do stuff and all the photos look great. <laughs> well, and speaking of, and, and I have to give you legit props because I, I look at a lot of photography. I mean, I've been in the industry for about 20 years and certainly as I'm interviewing photographers, you've got truly beautiful, beautiful work for anybody listening in. If you're listening to the audio after the fact, go back and watch the live stream or just go to Instagram.com slash photos by Paula, P-A-L-A, Michaela, M-I-K-A-Y-L-A. But I'm actually streaming through your Instagram feed uh, during on our live stream here for anybody's listening to the audio and we're looking at these pictures but it's beautiful beautiful and you've got a nice finish to the mm-hmm. images but it's not overdone like too dark and moody or too contrasty i think it sets a really nice tone to the images and there's quite a bit of variety as well but the interaction that you're getting from your couples is just really really lovely yeah thank you um, the trick is take them on like a 20 minute hike so that you've got lots of time to get to know them before the shoot. Um, I like, like I drill them with questions. I, I try to get to know every single thing I can about okay. them so okay. that I can incorporate all in, into the shoot. And then on the walk in, that just gives you lots of time. And then another thing that might not be easy for a lot of people, but I'm an extreme extrovert. So it's really easy for me, but, um, I get a little bit vulnerable with, my couples. So I'm totally open. I'm totally comfortable sharing like 
everything about myself because it starts conversations. Hmm. Um, so I share something a little bit personal about myself okay. and then in turn they share something a little bit personal about themselves and we click a lot faster. Um, it's Can not I ask like you I about just, that? Because it's, it, this is, a, I mean, it's, it's like a culturally in thing to do to be vulnerable. And I think it's good that culturally we're having this conversation, uh, whether in the U S or in Canada, but at the same time, there are people, and we all see this, like it happens on Facebook, people that kind of overshare, right? So like for, yeah. it, from your perspective, where is that line? Maybe you could even give an example of something that you would share with your couples that would kind of open that conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, it all depends. Um, usually cause I'm, I'm indigenous. Um, so I'm first nations from, as I mentioned earlier, um, yeah. from near, near Whistler. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the, the conversation starts with where are you from? Oh, well, I'm from here. Well, where are you from? Well, I'm sure. from this small reserve, um, where I grew up that nobody really knows about. And people are genuinely can like, uh, curious to know about what it's like to grow up as an indigenous person mm. in, a place that was filled with genocide. Mm. Um, or they have no idea about the genocide that happened in Canada and in the US. And so we kind of have that conversation um, kind of about that. And then they talk about whether or not, like, they talk about whether or not they knew about it, which okay. is usually they're kind of like um, ashamed of almost. Mm. Um, or they talk about, like, how much they hated it. Sure. <laughs> um, and that's just one example. Like, there's lots of different things that I could talk about that's in my personal life that they okay. can also connect with. Um, but I leave it at that. Like, I, I only share one thing about my life. Other than that, I'm, like, asking them everything that I can about them so that I can Makes get to sense. know them on a very personal level and yeah. personalize their shoot um, and have a story to tell about them later. Well, again, your work is beautiful, and it speaks for the environment that you're creating for your clients. So props to you for that. I'm, I, I have Thank to say, you. for all of our listeners, I know like I, we promote a topic. Today, we're going to be talking. We're going to get Paula's feedback about how she's created this business that has grown so quickly. I have, and Paula knows this because I sent her the outline of questions ahead of time. I have like the first, I think, five questions on the outline that I normally send our, send our guests. It says rapid fire. And I'm so bad to like actually to continue to ask more and more questions about each of those questions. We end up spending so much time on the so-called rapid fire questions. I've got to work on this. But I this I mean, the information you're sharing is really great. And I think the perspective is good, both the, the concept of you know creating. I mean, certainly the idea of a third wheel, but what we're talking about is developing a relationship. How do you do that? And I even just like the, that word distraction again. Like, how do you create an environment, a relationship with the client, which becomes a distraction from the fact that there's a camera in front of you? I love the idea of actually taking them on a walk to wherever it is you're going to photograph too, to set, to help give time to set that environment. Anyway, really great stuff. Uh, but we need to keep moving because there's a lot of information here to, to cover. So let's go to the next thing. And we're talking about customer experience already. Is there a particular principle or idea that's really important to you when it comes to creating a great customer experience for your clients? Um, well, I worked in the food and beverage industry from when I was nine years old until I was 22. Um, wow. so growing up, learn, knowing that you make better money if you're really nice to people, <laughs> um, yeah. I think kind of just stuck with me. Okay. Um, if anybody's listening in like a country that doesn't take tips, they're probably not going to understand that. But, sure. um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I just, I just know that you always have to give your 
customers or your clientele a really good experience. Like your 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 reviews on Google and on Facebook and Wedding Wire and wherever you're receiving reviews mean everything to your business. Mm. And always making sure that you make sure that they are happy and that they are always happy. And if not, that they understand what's going on. Okay. Um, that's of utmost importance to me. Like, I've made mistakes in my business. Sure, um, we all have. I have just admitted it to my clients and apologized profusely and did whatever I could to um, make it better. I gave them a, a free photo shoot or a free extra images or I paid for their prints and I shipped them to their house. Whatever you need to do to make that relationship good at the end of the day, like that's always going to be worth it. And I think that unfortunately a lot of business owners um, kind of let their pride or their ego get in the way mm. or integrity. I'm not sure what word I'm going for. Um, and I think ego is a good word there. Yeah. Yeah. And want to defend themselves as mm -hmm. people, but yeah. don't put their business first and foremost. Mm. Like I'm still going to go home at the end of the day and complain to my boyfriend and tell him like, <laughs> Oh, like this person was such a pain in my ass. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but my, my clients are, are always going to leave happy no matter mm. what. So that's the long answer to what could have been short. <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's fine. You said something that I want to go back to. You, you talked about making sure they, quote, know what's going on. Are you talking about managing expectations there as far as what the process looks like, how it all works? Um, what I meant with understanding is if maybe I miscommunicated something um, or we just had a miscommunication, that they understand that I'm doing my best not to do wrong by them and that um, just that they understand the whole situation without having to get into like an angry tone. Sure. Does, do you, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like you, you just try to explain something and if they still don't get it, even after the fifth time of explaining, you still do it in a polite manner because <laughs> again, their experience means everything. Well, and I would add to that too, because this, this is something that I've seen as a business owner. It's easy. In fact, in interacting with our clients, I think multiple, probably multiple times at this, at this stage, but when they're trying to communicate something to us and we don't quite understand, or this might happen in interpersonal relationships as well. The, the other person says the same thing and you say, I, but I'm not sure I quite understand. And they just repeat themselves and then they repeat themselves again. And of course, there's this breakdown in communication because rather than trying to explain it in a different way that actually resonates, they just keep the same, saying the same thing over and over again. We have to be careful as business owners not to do that thing and understand that not every one of our clients communicate or understand ideas in the same way as the next person. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's certainly important to personal relationships, but it falls true as well with business relationships. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing, oh, sorry, that's not supposed to be on. Um, another thing is I try to use, I think it's called empathic listening. Sure. Mm -hmm. Or sympathetic listening. Empathic listening um, would make it, sense, yeah, where we, we're trying to yeah. put ourselves in the shoes of the person on the other side of us. Yeah, I listened. It was in the book of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And sure. what you do is you just explain what you think that they're trying to say 
um, to them and say, am I correct? Or like, is this, is this <laughs> yeah. right? And then usually yeah. like if you explain it in a different way, then usually that gets resolved. I've had that a few times. So I just that's something a that. therapist will do too. I've, I've been to, to therapy myself in the past and something that a therapist will do is encourage that when, when you're talking about a relationship with somebody else, this is what I heard you say. And then that person can respond and either affirm that that's indeed what they were trying to say to you or clarify. And, yeah. and so that's a great approach. Yeah. I think it's a simple idea that probably would make a lot of people feel really great as well that you're taking the time to, to show that kind of empathy. Let's keep going, though. Let's get to we're going to actually totally switch <laughs> topics. Let's go to time. And really a big part of our focus here on the Boca podcast has to do with time, time management the application of business principles in an efficient way so that ultimately we can have more time in our lives. Is there a particular principle that you've applied to your business when it comes to time management that's enabled you to have a little bit more freedom, time with your boyfriend, time for yourself, maybe time to, to do things that are going to actually grow your business more effectively? Yes. So um, a few months ago, I implemented the four-day work week. Um, and for some people, that sounds crazy. Um, I definitely did because I worked every single day for like a year and a half. Sure. Um, I'm already excited though. Tell us more. <laughs> yeah. So the, the four day work week, there's, you can read, there's books on it, um, studies, and it basically just makes you way more productive on the actual four days that you're doing work. Sure. So the, the, the studies that were done were on like, if you cut down one day, are people less, less productive? Hmm. And it's a, no, like people actually do the same amount of stuff that they normally do, but yep. better. And faster on the four days and then they get three days to recharge so um, that's been really really great for my mental health and my productivity um, and then I also set up my next day of work uh, at the end of my previous day so I'll write down a list of about three to five things that I know that I need to get done the next day um, so when I get into the office I already know what I'm doing and I can plug away at those and my Oh, I just love lists. I love crossing things off of lists. <laughs> it so feels good. That's my, it feels so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, th those are my two time tricks, I guess, that okay. uh, have allowed me to be extra productive. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I put everything into my calendar, like absolutely everything into my calendar. So it's pretty So do you take three days off in everything. a row or do you, like, how do you schedule that, that extra day off? Monday to Wednesday, I take off because nice. photo oh, wow. shoots and weddings are on Saturday, Sunday. Sure. Um, and then when you want to go out and do stuff on your days off, everything is like dead. <laughs> I don't like other people being around. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. Well, when you, when you go camping, like I don't want the whole campsite to be used up. So fair enough. It's nice. So in order to make that happen, how do you handle communication? Because I can imagine a lot of our, a lot of your clients or potential clients are going to communicate, well, all the time these days, but certainly Monday, Tuesday, do you have some type of an autoresponder in place? How do you manage that? Yeah. So I turn on an autoresponder on Sunday uh, when I'm done. And so anybody who emails me says that, hey, I'm probably not going to get to my emails. These are my days off. Um, I also have an assistant who responds to emails with me. Um, and honestly, I don't care if it's my day off. I will respond to inquiries as soon as I get them because it, people, people respond better to, um, people who they like professionals that they're trying to hire when sure. they're like quick 
to respond to you. Yeah. Um, so every inquiry that I get, I respond almost immediately. Interesting. Okay. So even those days off, then you're leaving email notifications on or text notifications on and still responding to those. Um, just the inquiries. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Just the ones who are like new projects. Um, just because I like to have lots of business. <laughs> well, that's great. I, I was just trying to figure out, I mean, because I know a lot of photographers would hear that in a you know, four-day work week, and oh my goodness, you're not working Monday, Tuesday. What do you do with all the communication? That would be a big point of apprehension, probably, and there would be a sense of FOMO. And in fact, to that point, I guess the other question I have would be, like a lot of people, myself included, if I see, in fact, I turn the badge the badges off on my apps. So I don't see if there's, you know, X number of notifications on my email app or uh, the only one I leave on is my, my messages app on my iPhone, but Facebook and Instagram and any of the other apps, I just turn off the badges. I don't want to see that. Is there some temptation if you see that number of emails coming in to go in there and start responding to them? Like, how are you able to set aside what I think a lot of people probably describe as anxiety of not responding during those extra couple of days off? Um, I've hit burnout a couple of times Uh, really, really, really badly um, to the point where I was just under insane mental distress, um, snapping like all the time (laughs) and I never, ever want to hit burnout like that again. So I can, I'm totally comfortable looking at my email or like seeing the notifications Mm. um, and not not responding to the ones that I don't need to respond to um, and only responding to the inquiries. And I use HoneyBook, so it says inquiry right at the beginning okay. of the, the subject line. Brilliant. So it's pretty easy to see which ones are inquiries. That's great. Yeah. Um, shout out to HoneyBook too. That's, that's really great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's interesting um, you talk about this, the, the burnout process. Um, it reminds me of a principle that Tony Robbins talks about. He he's, talks about how basically everything we do in life is driven by pain or pleasure. And on the pain side, you know, pain a lot of times is what causes us to make change. If that pain is significant enough, impactful enough, then we make change. What you're describing then is enough pain, unfortunately, that you had through burnout that you were like, you know what, enough of this. I'm not going to continue to feed into what has led to this burnout. And what I want to encourage all of our listeners to do, number one, is to, to take that lesson from Paula because it's important that you do. I mean, this is, I would love for all of our listeners to avoid that burnout but also apply the principles that we're talking about here on the podcast for those of you listening in, because it will enable you to avoid that burnout. When we talk about efficiency, it may sound a little nerdy, a little geeky, but applying those principles is what helps minimize that as business owners. I think that's super important. Thanks for sharing that, Paula. I I really appreciate that. One more thing is um, it's super important to make a cutoff. So do Hmm. not work past whatever time works for you. I don't work past 6 p.m. Because A, it gives you a um, a deadline. Like you need to get all of these things done by 6 PM. So you're not focused on anything else. And then after 6 PM for me anyway, like I log out, I am done for the day. I relax. I don't look at my phone. I don't look at anything else. And that is it. And that allows yeah. you that time. As long as you can perfect it, it's hard to set those boundaries, but sure. it allows you that separation from work and relaxation. Cause it's so important to relax. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We could probably spend a lot of time there too, because I've definitely had personal experience yeah. <laughs> from burnout, even recently. So I, I, I get the thought process. Again, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing those those principles. And I think that's super helpful for our listeners. Let me jump to, really, actually, I guess along those lines, we talk about time management. Delegation becomes really important when it comes to efficient management of our business. 
having a little bit of time back on our lives. I mean, we talk about it quite a bit in the context of editing on the podcast, naturally, because I also, also own Photographer's Edit. But are there things that you've experimented with in your business, delegating, giving to somebody else to do to help manage all that you have on your plate? Yeah, so I use Photographer's Edit. Um, I started outsourcing. (laughs) Yeah, I started using Photographer's Edit um, really quickly, really early in my business. Hmm. Um, It's really nice because in Photographer's Edit, you can. I'm telling everybody else. You obviously know this, Nathan. um, But I appreciate that. I didn't didn't plan on this conversation, so I appreciate you sharing. (laughs) It's 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 super helpful because you can still be in control of what you would like the photos to look like at the end. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to send in just one preset and then just hope that it turns out what, like what you would want it to. Like you can edit, like I only edit maybe five to 10% of my photos um, and I make them look exactly like how I would want them. And then you flag those, those ones or change the label color and then yeah. send those in. And then they just do a color correction across the board and do all the tedious work for you, um, which saved me so much time. Um, and you can put that time back into your business. And I spent my time learning more about directing and learning more about marketing and um, learning anything, really. <laughs> but. <laughs> sure. uh, it's it's also nice to not completely hand off your editing because I feel like you learn so much about photography when you edit your own images. Um, and just being able to see like wh- where like you I don't know the lighting could have been better if I was over here or yes. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, outsourcing editing is huge time saver and realistically like what is it like twenty four cents an image or something it for is, color yeah. correction? Yeah. It's yeah. Super so expensive. what? what is your time worth, right? Like if, if that would take me probably two to three hours to edit that, the, an entire album, like just a regular photo shoot. I can do so much in two, two to three hours and outsourcing that only cost me usually about like 12 to $14. Two to three hours of my time is worth at least like $750. So you got to like weigh out what does your time worth for you? Um, and that's the whole basis around outsourcing is like, what does this job, what's this job's value and what's your time's value? Like if this job's value is less worth less than what your time is valued at, you should probably be handing that off to somebody. Or also if it's just something that you don't enjoy doing, like I personally am not a very good writer. So I outsource blog writing as well because I just, it stresses me out. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's my tidbit on outsourcing. Wow. Well, again, thank you. You're super generous and all those very kind words. But you, you touched on a couple of points, which I think are really important to note for anybody who's not only delegating editing, but really anything. Number one, mm-hmm. especially when as it relates to editing, you were talking about how you still maintain a little bit of the editing yourself, the 5 to 10%. And that does a couple of things. For photographers listening in or like, oh, man, I'm just not sure about giving up my editing to somebody else. Number one, it still gives you a bit of control, right? And then our editors are able Mm -hmm. to see what you've done and and mimic that, which is brilliant. It's great. Two, it still creates a certain amount of awareness, like you said, regarding your photographic technique, your skills, and you can continue to work on that. I absolutely know what you're talking about, Paula, because I I face the same thing as a photographer. It's nice to be able to see that Mm -hmm. work and say, oh, I could do this a little bit better, make this adjustment uh, my, my business partner and I used to, to <laughs> we used to have these little competitions because we would actually, we, we both were shooting Nikon, but we would name the prefix of the files with our initials. So we'd import the images 
And then it was like, oh, who took that picture is awesome. Who took that picture? And we click, quick check uh-huh. the, the prefix of the file to see who, who had gotten the picture. But it's nice <laughs> to be able awesome. to see that work and have, have a bit of competitive drive to continue to get better. I think that's really, really great. So I'm glad you highlight that. The other thing you mentioned, too, is that it gives you the opportunity to learn, more time to learn. And learning translates to growth as an individual, as a business owner, which translates to growth as a business. And I think that's super important as well. So mm-hmm. wow, we're just going to clip that section and just run it as a commercial for Photographer's Edit and pay you some royalties <laughs> or something. <laughs> Deal. I'm going to hold you to that. That was really great. No, thank you very much. And, and shout out to everybody, or shout out to Photographer's Edit. For everybody listening in, I'm going to pop up, of course, the URL on the screen, photographersedit.com. If you have any questions, you can check that out. But, but thank you for that, Paula. Um, one last question mm-hmm. before we get to the main topic. An impactful book, self-help book, business book mm. that you've listened to, maybe read. What, what's a favorite? How to Win Friends and Influence People by yes. Dale Carnegie. That okay. is always the first book. That's the first book that I had my EA read. That's the first book that I'll have like anybody I hire read because okay. like I said, the customer experience is the most important thing. And anybody that you're dealing with in general, like you will get way more out of life if you read that book. Um, it, I, I, I just I just love that book so much. Um, <laughs> I've read There's, it, it's, and it's crazy because it's like 100 years old, but the principles still apply, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's so good. If you listen to it on audio, Audible, it's hilarious because it's so old. Yeah. It sounds super old. It, sure. I love it. Um <laughs> There's lots of books that I love. Um, I'm listening right now to um, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Oh, okay. um, Who's that by? It's another... I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's basically the principle of like... you just need to be the best at whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and the business will come. <laughs> I've actually That's pulled really up it. Amazon like, here. Is it at uh, Cal Newport? So good. They can't ignore you by skills, yeah. Trump passion. That's who it is. Yeah. And the quest um, for work you love. That's okay. Very cool. We'll link to that in the show notes for everybody listening in. Yeah. That's another really good one. Um, seven habits of highly effective people is really good. There's a little bit of spirituality in it, which some people might be turned off by, but, um, Hmm. Those would be my top three, I think. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Randall commented again. He said, I've listened to how to win friends and influence people like 10 to 20 times. And it's the principles really are kind of timeless. Very, very mm-hmm. basic. But it's funny how sometimes we just need the basics laid out for us in a way that's easy to consume. And that book does a great mm-hmm. job of it. So that's a that's a really great recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that everybody should, I wish wish that everybody would read that book, honestly. Um just in regular day-to-day conversations <laughs> and in dealing with like any tough situation. That's mostly mm-hmm. what it is, is how to deal with a tough situation and always <laughs> get what you need out of it, really. Um, he tries to make it sound like you're just being a nice person at the beginning, but really it's like, how do you, um, how do you deal with a situation that's tough by still being nice and polite and still getting in and always actually getting whatever it is that you want out of it because um, people are much more receptive to kindness and politeness than they are to like yelling and aggression. So it's amazing how that works, isn't it? it? <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> and how few people actually realize that. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. I mean, I'm an emotional guy. It's easy to get caught up in the moment, but you're right. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, who's, who's actually going to, at least for any kind of ongoing time period, pay attention to somebody who's yelling 
or blowing up or exploding. Yeah. It just it doesn't it's not productive at the end of the day um, as a general rule, and certainly doesn't keep, it doesn't play on the idea of the golden rule, which is a large part of what that book is ultimately highlighting. Right? It's how are we treating others? We would want them to treat us this particular way. How would we want them or want? How should we treat others? We would want them to treat us a particular way. Why are we not doing the same thing? Uh, really, kind of centers around that idea. I think if we were to sum it up generally that that's what that book is is largely getting at one of the things he talks about i think in that book too is the significance of using somebody's name doesn't he talk about calling somebody by their name and how important that is there's so many of those little tricks at the beginning of the book but yeah um calling somebody by their name makes them much more likely to be receptive to you and to just like you really because we just like to have our name said (laughs) <laughs> it's a funny Which thing. Just, it's just like almost psychological trick, but you're right. Like we feel some type of significance when we hear our name called. And I think a big part of this is because most people, when they interact with us, whether personally, like an acquaintance or a good friend, you don't normally get to hear your name. They're not, they're just, they're just talking mm-hmm. at you. When you actually hear your name first, it's, there's this kind of internal light bulb that comes on and you're like, Oh, Oh, they're paying attention. Like I, I mean something to them. They're talking to me. I'm here. And I, I've, I've done this at like Walmart, for example, you walk into a grocery store and you go up to the checkout and that person's right there in front of you and they're just kind of almost robotically scanning food in or scanning groceries in. And they're not used to somebody actually taking the time out to engage with them on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And the moment that you call them by their name and just you know respond to whatever it is that they're doing or ask how their day is going, it's incredible that the how that can actually create a shift in their day how it can lighten them up a little bit or light them up a little bit i think it's i think it's the most fun thing to do mm-hmm. absolutely well i think it's a good reminder for our listeners we'll make sure to to link to those books in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in i want to get to our main topic though and you know this this may seem a little bit cliche for some of our listeners who, who maybe saw the title ahead of time how do you build a business or grow a business quickly of course, at the end of the day, and you already highlighted this, Paula, it's, it, this is not about not working. You've put a ton of work in. But what I'm really curious to get to are some of the big ideas that have enabled you to grow the business relatively quickly. Because I think these are principles that, that our listeners might be able to apply to their business, whether they've been in business for a while or just getting started. Before we get to those principles, those very specific principles, though, give our listeners a little bit of context, maybe a little bit of a backstory about how long you've been, well, how you got started and then how long you've been in business. Because I just want them to have that for context before we get into the principles. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started, I learned, started learning photography in August of 2019. Um, And then very, very quickly, well, actually, that's not how it happened. I was in school for business um, in 2019 for business and marketing. And I had always been everybody's favorite employee. I've been working since I was nine years old. I'm a really, really hard worker. I always made people lots of money (laughs) and, but as soon as I got to the point where I wasn't allowed to make any more decisions, um, or I just didn't have enough authority, like I I was just out of there. Or if they didn't have anything more to teach me, I was sick of the job and I left and I got a different one and I got tired of doing that. And I decided, well, I live in Kelowna. There's tons of weddings here. I'm really good with people. So I guess I'll become a wedding photographer. So in August of 2019, I just went for it. I 
started watching every single YouTube video possible. I was in a very deep rabbit hole for like months. <laughs> it's um, easy to do that for and, sure. Yeah, I just watched all the YouTube videos. Shout out to Taylor Jackson. Love that guy. Yes. Um, I paid, subscribed to his uh, membership and it's super worth it. Um, and implemented a lot of the things that he said. Um, within my first month, I started making some really good sales. Um, and then within the next few months, I w- was just practicing on everybody who I knew. Uh, and then COVID hit. And I lost my job. Um, and luckily here in Canada, we had those CERB checks. So they're $2,000 a month. And that was able to kind of like get me by a little bit, at least pay both mine and my partner's bills. Um, and so I just jumped into my business full time. It was, I actually left my job before that. Um, I didn't lose it. Uh, I left it and then I kind of wanted it back because, because <laughs> COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I decided I was just going to jump into photography full time because I was making enough money at it. Mm. Um, but then yeah, COVID hit and I just, uh, was a little nervous. So, um, about six months into having the business, I only learned photography in July. Started the business in August, like got registered and everything. Wow. Um, and about six months after that, I was full time and I'd booked 40 weddings my first year. Um, okay, wait, let's just pause there for a second because I, I, 40 weddings within what, like six months or something like that or less? Uh, within six months, yeah. Um, That's, that is wild. There's lots of things that went into it, though. Um, yeah. My poor boyfriend didn't really have a girlfriend for. <laughs> okay. a I, few I probably months. shouldn't laugh, um, but I guess maybe in hindsight we can, right? <laughs> he, we can we can laugh in hindsight. Okay. Um, but I mean, I just knew that I wanted to work for myself. Um, I was very tired of being held back by whoever I was working for because they looked at me and I was 22 years old and I wasn't you know, old enough to make whatever decisions was like, man, like I'm trying to help you here. I can make you more money and mm-hmm. make it more efficient or make your customers happier. Mm-hmm. And nobody would listen to me. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do it for myself then. And, um, I'm so glad that I did because, um, I know that I jumped into wedding photography just so that I could <laughs> work for myself, but I obviously fell in love with photography. What's not to love about it. It's so much fun and I love human connection mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a really, really great job. So there's a million and one things that went into being able to book that many weddings in my sure. first six months. Um, let's, let's like how many, if, if you were to pick, I don't know, three, four, five, like how many kind of key principles immediately come to mind that, because I'm, I've got my pen. I'm going to literally take notes here. <laughs> um, I'm trying to organize which ones would be the top ones. Sure. Really just trying every marketing tactic that you can and seeing what's going to work. Um, I did everything. I went out and I um, offered free headshots and branding photos to every single wedding planner that I could find on the internet. Um, I went out to Revelstoke. I went down to Penticton, like which mean nothing to you, but they're pretty far from where I live. Sure. Um, I and just made connections with them. I also put together um, videos for venues that I would want to work at. 
Um, in the early, early stages, I did two weddings for free. They both ended up giving me money and they ended up getting really good photos out of it. So lucky them. But uh, I did those two for free. And then once I had enough, and then I also second shot for another wedding photographer. For those of you who are like, what the heck, this woman just like jumped into wedding photography without any experience. Well, I, I, your, your photos are like, I, I would assume that you've shot for five, 10 years. I mean, your, your work is beautiful. <laughs> so I, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm like, who would question when they look at your work? It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. I, I learned um, from Matt Morgan, Matt Morgan Photography in Kelowna. He uh, took me under his wing and taught me a bunch of stuff about wedding photography and let me shadow him and second shoot for him at weddings. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, again. Oh, actually, I'm all over the place. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. We're going to like just keep listing him. We're going to come back to each of these. We'll kind of explore him a little bit, but keep going. Okay. When COVID hit, we, everybody was doing those front porch sessions. Do you remember those? Yeah, absolutely. Where families who were stuck at home could come out on their front porch. A photographer mm -hmm. would stay on the sidewalk and take photos for them yeah. by donation. I was doing about 10 of those a day for like three weeks. So I got so much practice so quickly with all of these different dynamics of people. And also having a background in customer like experience really um, in the food and beverage industry. And I was doing like horseback tours and a bunch of other stuff, but just working with all of these different kinds of people and learning how to read them sure. well, I yeah. think is really what contributed to my ability to give a good customer experience. Yeah. Um, and then I was also able to use all of the photos that I did by donation and for free in mm -hmm. my marketing. So, um, after I did all of that <laughs> at a very, very low rate, um, I actually got onto Groupon. Um, so I put up, I made my website and everything and I submitted to Groupon and got a whole bunch of photo shoots that way. And that okay. was actually how I started making money at photography, even though I, my skill wasn't all there yet. Sure. And then once I had enough money and I was showed that I was capable of making revenue, I applied for a grant and um, half of it was a business loan and the other half was a grant. Um, and I just invested in the equipment that I needed. Uh, I just right out the gate got two Mark IVs and a 1.4, a 35.14 and wow. an 8514. Nice. Um, and then I just practiced a lot and then implemented every single marketing tactic that I could. Um, before COVID hit, we actually had a bridal show and I just learned about the bridal show like a, two days before it happened. And my partner and my friend and I put together like 400 of these like scrolls. They were super cute. They were these scrolls with like twine that was wrapped around yeah, them and it had yeah. my, um, had my pricing and my about me and stuff like that. And I had little mini cupcakes and uh, just a bunch of marketing material and all of my photos like really, really nicely printed um, with like twinkle lights and stuff like that. And I just went hard that mm. day. I actually, I've never drank one before, but I had one of those 24 hour energy things. Oh, wow. Um, don't I think recommend they're called they five hour. Like Do they have touchy. a 24 hour one? There's a 24 hour one. Is there really? Oh, um, wow. And I'm pretty sure it was anyway, but... Um, 
I just made sure that I was 100% myself. I stand in front of my, stood in front of my booth and I made friends with every single person who went by my booth. Um, I also offered 15% off any of my um, wedding packages to anybody who had the scroll when they were booking. Cool. Um, so that alone got me about 20 weddings just from that bridal show. Wow. Um, and lots of connections with a lot of the venues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my major success with that was really just you just have to make a personal connection. I'd already read how to win friends and influence people by this point. Um, I asked people how their day was, asked them what their name was, and then I kept saying their name. And you can implement all of these different things um, to really make a connection yeah. with the people who are you you are prospecting. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I think, yeah, I mean... Like, I, and I'm sure you could keep going. There's probably a list. I mean, you talked about how you were trying with yeah. all these different things. I, I've literally, you probably saw me looking down, but I, I, I have a notebook here that I'm writing things down with a pen, old school style. Uh, it's because I'm just listing all these different things you were talking about. So I want to at least go back and touch on a few of them. And and by the way, Andre said, said that crazy 40 weddings in six months during a pandemic. And he makes a great point because, I mean, 40 weddings just getting started would be wild. But to do that in a time when people are a little bit freaked out and unsure of what's going to happen next. I mean, it just speaks loudly for the, the amount of work that you put in. I, it's really, really incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so let's, let's go back and touch on some of these. And I, I keep looking down because I've got this notebook here, but I'm going to just kind of read off. So free headshots. And this is something that I've talked about uh, on the podcast before multiple times over, especially in the context of outsourcing editing people think okay i'm going to spend you know whatever it is 50 bucks 100 bucks a couple hundred bucks depending on if it's a session or a wedding to outsource editing and i'm you know i'm going to try to make that money back and my argument is no don't just simply make that money back you're going to actually make more if you spend time investing in relationships and one of the ways that you can mm-hmm. do that is by adding value to the potential relationships that you want to establish especially with a wedding coordinator for example so I love that mm-hmm. you did these free headshots. How did you go about sharing that you were offering these free headshots and, and what type of people or businesses did you share that with? Anybody who would take my email. Okay. Um, anybody in the wedding industry. I've started with wedding planners and coordinators and that gave me enough work as was. And I figured that they're the ones who I needed to connect with first anyway, 100%. because, um, and then generally people have already booked, um, a wedding photographer by the time they get to like their their bridal gown and the venue or no sorry i connect with venues but by the time they get their bridal gown and like florals and stuff like that so uh, i stuck with venues and wedding planners and i just honestly sent them an email i said hey like things must be absolutely nuts for you right now like everybody has to reschedule their weddings and you've got like eight to 12 vendors that you have to reschedule per client that you have like I just want to reach out and say, hey, like, I'm sorry that things are crazy for you right now, but I want to give you some free photos um, so that, I don't know, just to show my gratitude. And um, You probably notice I'm smiling. I'm not laughing at you. I'm actually, I'm thinking about how, I think that was one of the first principles that Dale Carnegie talks about in his book, make the conversation about them. How do you add value to their life rather than talking about yourself, make it about them. And I love that you lead with empathy in that. It's like, hey, things must be crazy. And naturally people are gonna be like, yeah, they really are crazy. And this person's thinking about the fact that things are crazy for me. Even if there's not this conscious process going on inside their mind, the fact that you're showing them that attention and showing that empathy really is a great way to lead a conversation like that. 
Yeah. Um, I try to make all my conversations about the other person (laughs) if possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they all, all of them got back to me. I got to Mm. meet with all of them. All of them have given me weddings. Um, a lot of them actually. Um, one of them, her and I, I'm actually, we're really good friends now. And I, we cool. are putting together two days of elopements. And we've got uh, seven couples on each days. And we've got them almost fully booked already. Wow. Um, I've done collaborations with another one. And I've just been hired by all of the other ones, like, at least twice. Um, and I put in about four hours of work for them, realistically. Like, between emails and doing the headshots and branding photos for them mm-hmm. um and we usually ended up going for like a tea or like a glass of wine after and just hanging out and becoming friends and yep. s- spend that time creating relationships with people because it's really worth it um and going out of your way to be kind to other people um will benefit you 100 it this and i can't remember what book it was in but without doing it for a selfish reason if you can be selfless towards other people Mm -hmm. and just always try to help other people it will Mm -hmm. always come back to you no matter what i I think Um, that intention is so important and again it it may seem cliche to a lot of people to hear that and they're like oh yeah of course you'd be nice to people but I, i think it's so easy and i've certainly seen it whether in the wedding industry or the photography industry or otherwise it's easy for people to go into a mode kind of behaving the way that they think they're supposed to, but that comes off fake and you can see right through it when there's mm-hmm. genuine intention behind it of kindness behind what it is that we do in the interaction with people, whether it's another photographer or a vendor or a client. I, I just, I know personally that it pays off. I, I I'm, I'm kind of crazy because even when I send a text message, there, I put intention into my text messages. Like when I send an emoji, sometimes I'm actually smiling when I put that smile emoji there in the text message. I think there's something to be said for that kind of intention because mm-hmm. it's going to, whether it translates immediately or translates in the long run, people are going to see that kindness. And it's obviously already benefiting your business. And I think it's okay that you ultimately benefit from it on a business level, but as an individual and the impact that you're making in people's lives and also the benefit for you actually establishing real relationships, not just these fake things just for the sake of business. I think it's wonderful. I mean, we could literally stop at that point and our listeners would have plenty to go work on. I think this is really good stuff, but I do want to keep going. (laughs) I'm going to pick up my notebook here one more time. So you talked about, uh, you talked about the significance of connection. I think we've kind of highlighted at this point, free headshots and the significance of connection relationships. We, we could call that number two, uh, but those really go hand in hand. Number three, you talked about creating videos, free videos. Talk a little bit more about that process because photography is your specialty. Did you just kind of figure out how to do videos for venues or what did that look like? Yeah, I bought a gimbal and everything. Um, wow. I only used it actually for those videos that I made and I haven't used it since. Um, but I did video tours of the venues that I wanted to work at. So I grew up rodeoing and, um, living in the bush. I lived off grid until I was like 13, I think. Wow. Um, so I wanted the backcountry barn venues. That's sure. those. The, and the reason why is that the people who book those venues are likely going to be the same kind of people I want to work with. Makes sense, so, yeah. Um, I did video tours for them and I had a buddy come with a drone and we put together and then I just outsourced the editing because I'm not an editor. Um, 
I just don't enjoy being on my computer. <laughs> um, I feel you. But I outsourced the editing and they put together a really beautiful uh, video tour. And I even paid for that editing. I paid a buddy of mine $100 a video to stitch together all of the not awesome footage that I took. <laughs> and he salvaged whatever he could and he mm -hmm. made a really, really nice video for all of these um uh, venues yeah. and they gave me credit on their website um, and now we've got a connection and they have put me as one of their preferred photographers on their package that they send out to all their clients um, which has also gotten me business but so I mean really the three hours that that took me plus the hundred dollars in exchange for a wedding like make 30 times the amount of money it's definitely worth it to put that time and, and effort in that's that's really great. And I'm sure we could spend a bunch of time there, but we have more to cover. So I'm going to leave that. But props <laughs> to you for going outside your comfort zone and what you knew and just making it happen. And I mean, I, I, honestly, it's it's certainly been easy even in my career, despite all the hard work that I have put in to also at times kind of take the easy way out, you know, and, and I just have a lot of respect for the fact that you just, first of all, being new to the industry, regardless of the fact that you're new to the industry, you just went like head down and went all in and try to come up with, as you said earlier, all kinds of different ways to be able to market your business. And ultimately, it seems like a lot of it centers around relationships, which is just a win-win in the end for, for everybody. The next, the next point that I wrote down was free weddings. You said you photographed some free weddings. I think this is great. It's an opportunity to develop portfolio relationships, potentially get referrals down the road. How did you put that out there? I said, hey, I'm new to photography. Um, I really want to get into wedding photography. I'll do your wedding for free. Here's some photos that I've taken. And I had two lovely souls. One of them ended up working for me later um, who put their trust into me and they cool. just let me show up and take some photos. Um, one of the weddings, actually, there was uh, a girl who was the best friend of the bride and she was a wedding photographer and she's a really great photographer. So it was really nerve wracking for me. Um, and, uh, she was kind of like giving me tips and I was just so nervous. It was like my first wedding and, <laughs> and this is really good photographer, like glaring at me because I'm like <laughs> taking photos of her best friend's wedding and she just wants to make sure that they're good. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I honestly just put it on like Craigslist and um, like Facebook groups in the local area, like local wedding Facebook groups and stuff and said, Hey, like these are some photos that I've taken. I'll do it for free. Um, so if photography for some people is not necessarily that high, which is crazy to me, but not high in like value to them. Um, they were the ones who yeah put their trust in me. And then sure. I just did my best. I rented a 70 to 200 2.8 and made sure that I got like really, really good images. Um, and I worked really hard at it and, uh, used, could then use that as, marketing material because when you're trying to get into the wedding industry like nobody's going to hire you if they don't know that you've already done it nobody's going to pay you to do something that you have no experience right. in so and if they do that they're crazy um because the weddings are a beast like <laughs> there, there's really can be, so yeah. much there's so much in the day and you get yeah. so burnt out throughout the day like you need to be on your toes um so I think that that was actually really integral to getting into the business. Like, I don't know what I would have done otherwise, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just made sure that I kept on shooting after that as much as I could. 
Yeah, but um, I, I think you make a really great point, which is that there is a market for for people who you know, either aren't interested or as interested in photography. They don't high, hold as high esteem uh, in their mind, or maybe they just don't have the budget for yeah. a more expensive wedding photographer. And there's opportunity for new photographers to be able to still serve that client, and then also have the opportunity to be able to to develop a portfolio and some experience. I mean, that it mm-hmm. needs to happen in the end. My first wedding I shot for 350 bucks, and that yeah. wedding, <laughs> that wedding actually was, well, it ended up costing me more than that to just to get the film developed, because I was shooting film. This is back in 2001. <laughs> I borrowed yeah. a camera. I had one camera. It was an inexpensive, like, consumer-level film camera, 35-millimeter camera. And then I borrowed a second one. A friend of mine, somebody that I worked with, had the same camera, so I was familiar with it. I borrowed that to put black and white film in. And, and I went and shot this thing and, and ultimately lost money on it. But the, the couple that hired me were willing to put their trust in me. And I bet, I've yeah. talked about this on the podcast before, but at that first wedding, I actually missed the kiss. I, I don't remember exactly what happened technically, oh, no. but I, I missed the kiss. So after the ceremony happened, I went to them. I said, look, this is what happened. Would, would it be okay? Can we go back into the, into the uh, sanctuary and set up the, the shot? Would that be okay with you? They were super kind, super gracious, super patient. And we're willing to do that. We went back in with the wedding party and the, the minister. We, sat the sh- we set up the shot in, the, in their proof album. Of course, we had individual proofs. In their proof album, it looked just like it happened during the ceremony. So they got the picture nice. and it was fine. Um, and and ha- they were happy in the end. But yeah, we take, there are some risks involved in, when we first get started. But putting the time and effort and energy and studying up front and then finding clients who are willing to work with, who are gracious enough to work with us, that's a great opportunity to, to, to ultimately capitalize on. And I think that's good. You mentioned fort front porch sessions. And I wanted to kind of list that as our, our next item here that you brought up. And I know that it was a very popular thing, especially at the height of the pandemic. Was there a particular way that you approached those front porch sessions? Like, how did you get the word out? And then how did you go about the actual shoot itself? Um, I actually put some money into it. Um, funnily enough, people are probably also thinking that's crazy. But I put it all over Facebook groups. Um, that caught enough traction as is. But I knew that I just wanted as much practice as I could with people. Sure. Um, and some people were paying me a decent amount as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I just put, the, put them on local Facebook groups and you have to be persistent. Like you can't just post things once and hope that people will see them. Like they're not going to only like 6% of the people I think who follow you are actually going to see what you post. So you need to post it multiple times um, to make sure that they catch on. Um, and yeah, I posted about it probably a dozen times and I actually put up uh, an Instagram ad to local um, people in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. We didn't put that much money into it. Um, And it actually, it it was great. It boosted my following immensely. Um, And so I booked a couple of weddings through it as well, actually. Um, Two of the people, two of the people who I photographed during the front porch sessions contacted me later for engagement photos and then now I'm doing their wedding. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So I guess it did really pay off. But oh, absolutely. Uh, but it gave you an opportunity to develop portfolio. Like you said, also build up a following and then yeah. ultimately book more clients for your wedding business, which is, which is incredible. And I'm sure there are variations mm-hmm. on this that photographers, our listeners could kind of implement in order to build up that kind of portfolio <laughs> and experience doing quick mini sessions, if you will. 
I just remember something and I don't want to forget it. Yeah. Um, what's been, it's so integral in my business, actually. I don't know why I talked about this, didn't talk about this sooner. Um, but I invested in SEO. So uh, I hired somebody because I did all the research on my own and I, I learned as much as I could about SEO. But and it, for those who don't know, it's search engine optimization and it's what helps your website rank higher than other people's on Google um, and Bing and Yahoo. Because um, I think Safari uses Bing. But anyway, um, I hired a guy to... I actually traded um, headshots for him, okay. uh, and he did all of the on-page work for me. That's the best part about the service industry is that you can trade work. Absolutely. But anyway, um, he did all of the on-page work for me. So there's a lot of like a lot of work that needs to be done on your actual website for SEO, um, and now I pay him $500 a month, which might sound crazy, but he has made me the number one ranking in almost all of my keywords now. I think I have like 43 keywords. Wow. Um, so when you search like Kelowna wedding photographer, Kelowna headshot photographer, Kelowna photographer, like any of the keywords, I, I'm also now starting to rank really high for BC photographer, like our whole province. Wow. Um, so that's actually most, a lot of my traffic is okay. just people cause they, a lot of the weddings, a lot of the wedding clients in Kelowna are from outside of Kelowna because it's just such a beautiful area. It's so um, amazing. So I had the chance to go once uh, for a friend's wedding and oh my word, one of the most beautiful places beautiful. I've had the opportunity to visit. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, so people who aren't from here aren't following a photographer from Kelowna. Um, so when they search on Google, I'm the one who pops up first and people generally skip over ads and they won't go past the first page realistically they will stick to the top three people who are on google and then they're not going to go past that because usually they can find what they need um and yeah they, they've created a connection already so um i put a lot of money into seo for sure. sure but the amount of money that i've received back like the roi is just crazy so um if you haven't looked into seo um and like SEO might be a little bit out of the budget, but I would try to make it a priority. Um, How did you go about finding to- the right person in that in that case? Because especially without having a budget for you know a massive SEO company to come in and, and do work for you, it seems like everybody and their brother and sister is an SEO specialist. How do you know? Yeah. How, how do you find the right person, somebody that you can trust? How did you find the right person that you could trust? Um, I just went on a Facebook again, it's Facebook, but, uh, another, it was like a small business group or entrepreneurs group or something. Um, and I posted on every single Facebook, I think it's posted in like probably about 20 different pages saying like, I'm looking for somebody to help me with SEO. I'm hoping that I can trade for headshots at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then this is my budget. Um, and I had a few people respond and I picked Aaron with wildfire SEO and he's been great We've, we've, built a really good relationship and um yeah so i would highly recommend if you haven't looked into seo for your website should absolutely do that (laughs) absolutely i mean we we saw within the last few months as high as about half about 50 percent of our new accounts coming into photographers edit from organic google search and and then we had an seo specialist come back we we do this every so often we'll have a, a specialist take a look at our site and what we're doing and look at how we can improve and right now we're in the process of making significant changes actually that are taking us weeks on end for 
improvement to our SEO at the end of the day. And so I, I would, I'm right there with you. I'd highly recommend it for our listeners. Mm-hmm. You've, you've given us so much value already and we only have so much time left. Just very quickly though. Um, so we, we've talked about free headshots. It, really, we could top the list with the significance of relationships, developing true relationships, connections, because that really will pay off in the end, not only personally, but professionally as well. But then free headshots, which of course is a, a way to build relationships as well. Uh, the videos or creating videos for venues, incredible idea. Of course, free weddings, especially to develop a portfolio and develop experience. The front porch sessions or mini sessions. And of course, this is still applicable even outside of the height of the pandemic because photographers can cr- do these mini sessions, whether front porch or otherwise, and develop a lot of experience and build a portfolio. And I think that's really great. SEO, enough can't be said about that. Um, photos for free for marketing. We've kind of touched on this. We talked about free headshots, but were you actually photographing, we're going and photographing venues and giving those images to them? Were you shooting an event and then giving some of the images from the event to the venue? What, what did that look like? I did a lot of free work at the beginning. Okay. So just offering uh, it to vendors, to, to locations, to, to, I don't know, bridal shops yeah. or otherwise? Yep. Lots of collaborations. Again, it's all just connections. Um, Most of this you can learn from Taylor Jackson as well. Shout Um, out to Taylor. He's actually going to be on the podcast here in about two weeks. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love him so much. Um, He responded to one of my, I tagged him in my story and he responded and my heart melted. Um, (laughs) He's awesome. He is really great. So he's got a program called full time in whatever year it is. And I did the full time in 2020. And, um, a lot of just, yeah, I would 100% recommend following him because he's got a lot of really great stuff as well. Um, and then just reading and listening to as many business and marketing books as you can, because marketing is what you should really be focusing on. Um, as much as, as much if not more as you're focusing on building your craft and getting better at photography or videography, um, because marketing is what's going to get you more business. Um, and if you can master all of the techniques in business and marketing, you will be absolutely fine. Uh, such a great recommendation. I have to touch on one last thing that, that you mentioned, Groupon. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Groupon. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is a big one, and I know we only have so much time, but like, give us the 60-second no, okay. spiel with, with Groupon. Is that Because I know it's a loaded topic. It was really popular, I don't know, a couple, two or three years ago, maybe a little bit longer, uh, for photographers, especially, to your point, photographers kind of getting started and needing to drum up business. But what was your approach with Groupon? How did you, how did you see the success that you did there? I set my prices really high on my website that were not at all what I was charging in okay. real life. Okay. Uh, Cause they, they cut the price by like 70%. Okay. Um, so I was only making, I think $50 a shoot, but I was getting practice and that's really all that I cared about in the beginning was yeah. practicing sure. um, and getting better at photography so that I could start charging a lot more. Um, and it worked. I practiced a lot. I got really good at photography and uh, managed to boost my rates there. But yeah, it was kind of a pain because um, people who are looking for the cheapest, um, the cheapest option are generally not very easy to work with a little higher maintenance uh, and they want to see yeah and want to <laughs> s- see how much more that they can cut from you so right, right. um it, it was kind of hard that way but i also made wedding clients and lifelong clients throughout that as well yeah. so um yeah I, I it was it was a just an additional way for me to meet new people and get to work with people 
Well, I, I think, I mean, there's so many here and you really summed it up. I, I've again looking at my list in the notebook here, but I'm experiment with every marketing tactic. You've mentioned that multiple times over and you've listed some really great ideas here for our listeners too. But at the end of the day, it really does take trying a bunch of different things and seeing what sticks. Again, I have so much respect mm-hmm. though for your work ethic and the fact that you just threw down and went all in and not only do you set a great example for our listeners in that way, but your, your practical ideas here, the ones that work that translated to 40 weddings booked in, in six months, still mind blowing to me. Um, it's just a really great example for our listeners, great information as well. And so I, I thank you, Paul. I mean, this has been really, really good stuff. Remind our listeners, I'm going to pop this up on screen, but remind our listeners real quick, if you will, where they can find you online, follow what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm Photos by Paula Michaela. Uh, it's P-A-L-A-M-I-K-A-Y-L-A on all of my social channels. Uh, cool. And my website is paulasphotos.com. Cool, and I'm going to pop that there on screen as well. For everybody listening to the audio version of this, we will have a replay, the video replay that you can see if you go to facebook.com slash podcast. You can watch the video replay. And um, if you've got any questions for Paula or you just want to see what she's doing, her work is beautiful. You need to follow her. Make sure that you do. And just go to Paula's Photos, P-A-L-A-S photos.com and uh, follow her. Thanks again, Paula. I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Nathan. It was a pleasure to be here.